Hi, everybody. This is Patty Negri. Welcome to the Witching Hour, the hour of the day when the veil is thin and magic happens. I have a wonderful guest for you today. I am so excited to bring him on. He's an author, he is a witch, and he is a paranormal investigator, Jay Allen Cross. I can't wait to talk to him and see how he combines all these wonderful worlds that I also combine. But before I bring on Jay Allen Cross, where's Patty? If you are listening to this, the first week we drop, happy 4th of July, You, the week of July 4th, 2022. I hope you had a great 4th of July weekend this weekend. Celebrate. Our country's got lots of stuff going on, but it's still a great country. Let's always start there. Safe and sane fireworks and don't let your dogs around them. And beyond that, I am in town. I am teaching a really nice class Tuesday night. If you're seeing this by Tuesday, it's how to manifest your intentions. Yes, everybody talks manifestation all the time. I'm a manifester. But there actually is techniques and ways to do it and make it better and make it happen. So if you're interested, go to universitymagicus.com. I'm teaching something on Sunday, but I don't think we've decided what it is yet. I am starting a brand new psychic development class if you are interested. And I don't know if we're starting this Sunday or not, but go to universitymagicus.com or follow me on social media and then we will post it once I figure it out. Um, other than that, I am in town up until the end of July, but there's only a few tickets left if you wanna join us in Texas at the Old Park Hotel. Natalie Jones, myself, the paranormal princess herself, Haley Michelle, Alicia, Cosmic Divine, and uh, Moon Girl, Sarah. All of these fabulous girls, but boys can come too. We are going to do an amazing investigation. Join us. Find it on my social media, the Old Park Hotel. And then August, August, make your plans now because it's Michigan Paracon. It's really like, don't tell the other Paracons. It's like my favorite Paracon. It's big. It's fabulous. Everybody comes. We're way, way up there at the top of the state in Sault Ste. Marie. We're at a beautiful Indian casino and it's really great. I'm going to be doing a gallery and who else? Chip Coffee is going to be doing a gallery and Everybody who's anybody of the paranormal world is going to be there, and I'm going to be there, so I hope you are there too. So that is in August, Michigan Paracon. Look at miparacon.com, I think it is. You can find it, and I'd love to see you there. And the other thing for you guys to be planning right now, because it is going to be once in a lifetime, is our Romania trip in November. you got to take care of passports and stuff like that, so plan it now. It is truly going to be once in a lifetime. It's called Birth of the Vampires. And yes, you get me, you get a witch at this beautiful Romanian place. And you would need more. We have a vampire, Father Sebastian himself. And if you are a little bit worried, you have a witch and a vampire. And if you're still a little bit worried, because we are in Vlad's castle, we are at Bram's castle, we have an exorcist going. Yes, we have a Catholic priest. So a witch, a vampire, and a priest walk into a castle. Don't you want to be there? Hi, everybody. Guess what time it is? It is time for the Willow Report. But, and she even did the yawn, sort of, but she's not happy and she doesn't want to do the Willow Report. You know why? Because all her friends are in the backyard right now because it's summer and she wants to get out and play. I was going to tell you all about the new race gate that she's building, but Willow, do you want to do the Willow Report? <sighs> 
this is about the calmest she's been in the last five minutes. But the Willow Report is she's great and she's happy and she's having fun with her friends. And she's training now for the Wiener Nationals. And we'll save everything else for the report for next week. Because she, you want to go outside? You want to go see your friends? You want to go outside and play? Want to see at the camera? Never. <gasps> there we go. All right. Short and sweet. That's the Willow Report. Thanks. Okay, everybody, how about a little magic, shall we? This week's magic, we're going to talk about charms, talismans, and amulets. Sort of the same thing, sort of not. You guys have probably been having lucky charms since you were a little kid. And I don't just mean the cereal. You ever have a rabbit's foot? Which now I think back, I go, that was not lucky at all for the rabbit. But your lucky rabbit's foot. Your lucky little thing that you hang here. Charms are usually attached to luck. And they are things that bring you whatever you carry with you. It could be a button off a shirt. Talismans usually have a little bit more depth to them. Talismans are like... It is my protection talisman, my helm of awe, like this right here that I show all the time that I don't go on scary TV shows or scary investigations without it. This would be a talisman. Now, an amulet can be a talisman or a charm, but whatever you want to call the world, what it is in the intent we put in it. We've been carrying them our whole, whole life, like sigils and symbols, a heart is a charm, it is a talisman for love, dollar signs, sigils and symbols. So almost everybody has lucky things in their life. Right over my head, I have my evil eye, my Turkish evil eye. That's a talisman and kind of a charm as well. So everybody should have some in your life. And if you wanna create a really magical talisman for a specific cause, make one, it could be anything. Like I said, it could be an old button. It could be you take something and you wanna draw it. Using a spare sigil is really good where you take the words and then you make them into something else and then they look like a piece of art that doesn't look like the words, but you've put right in it, happy, healthy, rich, or love, beauty, married, whatever that is. Those are things because it's all about the intent you put into it. And I'm always talking about spirit. Each one of these things has a spirit. It's the spirit that's the magic, not the little thing hanging on you, the thing up there for your good luck, the crystal that you hang over there. Those are all charms and talismans and good luck. Remember, it's the intent you put into it. This is a little pair of organite that that's, goes on Willow. When she, if I, if I worry too much, she's getting too much electricity by her. I've put extra protection into it. I've put extra love and magic into it. So see what you have around as your own talismans or charms or amulets. They've been around forever. They're written on caves of cavemen that they have things. Egyptian, Roman, every culture has things. The claws foot that you carry in. Some are magical, light, and fun fairies, and some are heavy and deep bones. But remember, the magic of any of these things is the magic that you give it and the intent you put into it. More later. Magic is everywhere. You just got to look sometimes. So let me explain a little bit about Jay Allen Cross. He's a practicing folk witch and paranormal investigator. He serves as a psychic medium and occult specialist on a well-known investigative team out of the Portland metro area. He enjoys working as a consultant for other teams and spiritual workers, exploring haunted and abandoned places and writing about the paranormal. Right up my alley. And he has his own podcast.
podcast called Invoking Witchcraft. So welcome. Thank you so much, Jay. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me here. I'm very excited. I'm so excited because it, there's not that many of us witchy paranormal investigators, paranormal witchy. Uh, there's lots and lots of paranormal investigators and there's lots and lots of witchy folks, but to, to combine the way that, that we have. So um, how did, how did, well, let's start out with, with which came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> you know, weirdly, they both kind of happened at the same time. And in a lot of ways, even in my own life, they've been kind of decidedly separate. Like you're talking about, there's kind of paranormal folks, there's kind of witchy folks. Mm -hmm. um, and even for, for me, both paths were kind of separate. So my psychic ability and path and learning how to use that then led me to paranormal investigation in my early teens. Um, and then at the same time, on the other hand, the witchcraft thing showed up as well, kind of in kind of childhood. And then that took its own path. And it wasn't until I started actually doing the paranormal investigation that I, I kind of smashed them together. Um, but my mother was uh, working as a, an animal communicator or a pet psychic in my hometown. And people would come to her and kind of figure out what's going on with their pets or their animals. And then they started coming to her asking about haunted homes. And they're like, well, my house is haunted. Can you come and check it out? And she's like, I don't do that. However, my kid talks to the dead people. <laughs> and so I'm like 15, like, yeah, okay, I'll go, I'll go check it out. And, and that's kind of how it began. But I like to kind of smash two worlds together a lot. That's what I did with my first book. And then now the second one, I'm like, these are two separate worlds. We're going to stick them all together. And I think that's great. I think that's needed. Um, again, that my paranormal world came later. But I think a lot of people, and I, I say this often, get involved. A lot of people, of course, they find religion, spirituality, and scary times. And now regular spirituality is not keeping up for a lot of people are finding more alternative, the crap, new age, mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, and I'm thinking that, that a lot of people who don't even think that they want spirituality or religion of any form, but they want to know there's something more than what's out there. They become paranormal investigators. They just want to know more than what's on TV. But mm -hmm. I think that's like a backdoor. And then, and then they start going, oh, wow, this is real. There's something there. And then they might discover some form of, of spirituality or just something to navigate with. Absolutely. So it's, it's great having people like you, people like me, like, okay, here's an option that you can certainly have. Ah. <laughs> So, um, so tell us about your, tell us about your new book that's coming out. So, um, I am coming out with the witch's guide to the paranormal, which is coming out September 8th. And it's, it's a book that's been in my brain for so long. And it's something that I just think is so needed right now. It's pretty much, it's essentially what it says. It's a witch's guide to the paranormal. So what I do is I approach paranormal investigation from the lens of witchcraft and why it's necessary for witches to kind of join this world because we have so much to give, so much knowledge, so much um, ability when it comes to the paranormal that it's, we're really at home in it, even though kind of for some reason they've been very separate worlds. When witches join paranormal investigation, it's so, it's, it's like getting kind of out of the library and into the field, right? <laughs> really just out there with the spirits, like in their kind of natural places and, and checking it out. Um, but in my book, what I do is I break down things like the four different kinds of hauntings, what they are, how they work, um, how we can approach and fix them, um, which is really, really important to me because a lot of what I've ran into in paranormal investigation is people being like, well, we can't fix it, but we'd love to come take pictures. And I'm <laughs> like, okay, like that's great to a certain extent. 
but right. at some point we actually have to be able to help and and in the book i i really kind of go into depth of okay what do we do how do we tell what kind of haunting it is once we know what kind of haunting it is how do we fix it how and what kinds of spells do we use what kind of oil recipes do we use um and so it's a lot of my tried and true methods that i've developed over the last 15 years or or heard from other people were taught from other people um are all go into the book so it's all in one place that's great yeah because so many people they they need something because again so many people go in so blind they don't even have anything to fall back on in in what's going on what it is protection methods anything like that it's just like who are you gonna call i don't know but (laughs) exactly but what so so for my people again we usually go all to the witchy stuff but let's go witchy paranormal stuff what are the four different kinds of hauntings excellent question so when you are doing this work you're going to come across one of these four um the first one being a residual haunting the second Mm -hmm. one being a human earthbound spirit then we have a poltergeist and then we have this big category that's just simply inhuman spirit entity and of those four a lot of people are kind of shocked to find out that only two of them actually have spirits and that would be the human earthbound and the inhuman um spirit entity and what those are is is your garden variety ghost a human who has um just died and has decided to stay here for one reason or another and then you also have a whole host of other things in the world and when people hear the word like inhuman entity they think like demons you know it gets very scary very quickly but also there's so much more than that like i've ran across things like fairies in a home and i'm like i did not know that this was a thing before i experienced it firsthand in this work um, so yeah, it's really yeah, I, one of those. I have my, and we can get to that conversation afterwards. Cause I think elemental spirits like fairies and gnomes are making a comeback because our planet needs it. We need an awareness of the earth and, and putting something there because before we blow it all up. So people who aren't in our world, either the witchy world, you, maybe they're like mediums or paranormal. They're going, I saw a gnome. I didn't know it was real. That same thing. It's like, they're going, Hey, 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 look down take care of yes. this exactly so, exactly okay so that that's good and residual they would just that's just like watching a video right yeah it's like a memory that kind of gets lost in the space or or sometimes people talk to them uh talk about them as kind of like a time loop that gets kind of replayed over and over again in a space um we have that and then poltergeist too is one that a lot of people um don't understand very well a lot of times people hear the word poltergeist and they think oh that that's a ghost that's behaving aggressively Um, What a lot of people don't realize is that uh, poltergeists are created by people who are throwing off these massive amounts of psychic energy and the energy has to go somewhere a little bit kind of like when static builds up and it has to throw a spark. So these you take these people who are often um, young people who are very bright, very intelligent, and you put a bunch of pressure on them, something like family drama, divorce, um, and suddenly things start happening in the house. And so things things get thrown across the room or um, furniture rearranges itself and, and poltergeists tend to be very strange and they like to very much just disregard the laws of physics. So if your yeah. living room furniture scent just ends up on the ceiling arranged very nicely, um, that's probably poltergeist activity. Yeah. And I think you're right. The young people, cause I do, I do a lot of seances since I was like mm-hmm. a kid, tiny kid. Um, and whenever there's really young people that just post puberty and then just for a few years in, I think it's just, they have so much life force and they have so much of everything that, so that's why they get the poltergeist. They're the ones that's going to cause the stuff. It, it, 
it's fun. <laughs> Absolutely. I've also ran into it too, where you have like whole families that tend to kind of like be dysfunctional together and all together they'll create. create it. Like it's amazing what people can do and not even realize it. That's, that's fabulous. <laughs> so what do you do? What makes you different? Okay. So if you're going into, besides the clearing it out, which is so good because it's true, invest so often, you know, teams, paranormal teams, they go in, they stir it up, they make it worse. They take photos, they get fabulous little videos, and then they leave and the family's like, ha ha ha. <laughs> so what's some of your techniques do you do either both in the investigation and then maybe afterwards or? Absolutely. And these are great things that I go across um, in the book as well, because like there's things that need to be addressed in a home like this that sometimes we don't know to look for. Things like, is there an open and active portal? Um, and if there is, how do you find it and then close it? Um, so those are things that need to be addressed as well. Um, counseling earthbound spirits, those people who have passed on but have remained here. Um, a lot of the times you need to talk through things with them in a very compassionate manner because sometimes they don't know that they're dead and you have to inform them of that. And that's a, that's a very big thing for them to try and comprehend, let alone I'm dead and now I need to go to another place, <laughs> like you know, <laughs> being able to talk through that with them. Um, so it's kind of going through, you know, making sure you're talking about portals, um, taking these human spirits that are kind of everywhere, giving them a place to go, helping them through the light. Um, and then also sometimes you have to kind of referee between living humans and like you're talking about the elementals. Um, you know, sometimes people call us, they're like, I think there's a demon in my house and you go there and they've built this beautiful house in the middle of the forest after cutting down a whole lot of trees. Yeah. And you're like, I, this is not a demon. You have, no. you, you've anchored something here. And so sometimes it's a lot of mediation. It's a lot of, um, almost kind of therapy between the spirits and people. Um, you have to talk it through, you have to make amends, you have to say you're sorry, um, yeah. all kinds of things. So it's, it's really is a full service job that has a lot of different facets to it. And depending on what you're working with, um, you're, you're going to have to approach it a different way. That's fabulous. Now you, as a psychic medium, do you go in and tell the, give their team what's going on here and what's going on? You're the guy communicating with the spirits. I actually work on a very special team where actually the bulk of us are psychic mediums. Nice. So when I go into a house, I'm usually accompanied by two or three other psychics. And we have no information beforehand. We do not speak to one another beforehand. Um, we're only given like an address the day of so that we know where we're going. Um, and we do this kind of funny thing we call pre-impressions where all of us who are going on the case, we sit there and we kind of tune in and then we write down everything that we that we think we're going to find there things that we're picking up already um so i'll often get a photo of the house itself um sometimes psychics don't use that sometimes they do um and then without talking to each other we just submit them to our case manager and she's like it's always fascinating to see that how how much we have in common and then when we get there we split up we all do our own walkthrough, and then we come back together and we discuss what we found and I love that part of it because not only is it we've all picked up on very similar things, but sometimes we have different pieces of the puzzle where they're like, you know, I was picking this up, but I don't know what's missing here. And it's like, oh, I picked up this over here. And then they go together and then you see the whole and picture. So that's helpful. fabulous. Yeah, that is that is really good. Yeah, because I go in blind. I don't. I, plus, mm -hmm. so my a bunch of TV stuff between Ghost Adventures and all my TFIL guys, you know, blind, blind, blind. Um, 
and if, if I actually do know something about the house, I don't, they don't even have me do it because they don't want anything to look like it could be faked or whatever. And cause I would never, you know, and that. So, okay. So you figure out what the spirits are. Do you guys come up with a game plan then? Like if it's, it is a family or something the where's and why's and what to do about it. Yes. So after we discuss kind of what we feel is going on, we sit down with the family. Um, this is something else I cover in the book as well is how do you tactfully speak with a family about what's in their home without terrifying them? Um, you know, kind of like, you know, how do we, how do we break this news to them as well? Similarly to speaking to an earthbound spirit, but we sit down with the family kind of be like, Hey, this is what we're picking up. Um, here's what we propose that we do about it. Um, we ask them if they have any questions, if they want any more information, if they want to be involved, maybe, um, depending on what's going on. And then we set to work, um, doing what we need to do. And we usually have kind of our own jobs. Um, I, I kind of specialize in the negative entity removal. So if there's like, oh, some ghosts over here and a portal over there and something that looks like Satan in the basement, I usually get sent to the basement um, <laughs> to deal with that. We all kind of do what we need to do. And then we do a final walkthrough, make sure it's all cleared up. We try to stay in a place for only about four hours to fix it all up and then head on on our way. That's good. So four hours, including the investigation and everything that you do? Yes, or with the walkthrough. Sometimes the walk we'll request um, and in a separate investigation where we'll send in people with like the equipment and the cameras um, and all of that. And then maybe the next day or like the next week come in to do the, the, the resolve is what we call it um, of the haunting depending on whether or not they want evidence captured or not, or if they just kind of want it fixed. <laughs> That's cool. So, so if you don't mind me saying, how, how do you clear? Do you clear energetically? Do you work elementally? I, I work very elementally in my clearings, but do you guys have each have your own way of doing it, your team? We do have kind of a little bit different ways of going about it, everybody, which is why I love working with my whole team is because everyone kind of has a different way of going about it. So we learn so much from one another. Um, I tend to be more kind of like energy related or like using spells. Um, sometimes I'll use um, like candle magic there on site. Um, sometimes I'll, <laughs> I've gotten out of room <laughs> on some <laughs> occasions or use things like a blessed salt and whatnot um, yeah. to go through. So I utilize a lot of witchcraft tools um, yeah. in my work, but it's normally kind of, really depends on what kind of haunting there is to see what direction I want to go with it. Because if it's something like a poltergeist, usually if you just tell the person, like, you're the one who's causing this, yeah. then it comes to a screeching halt. And yeah. you're like, they, yeah. just, they just didn't know. Yeah. Um, oh, that's fascinating to you, to, to me. <laughs> see, what you do is fascinating to me. Um, again, it's similar, and but I've just not worked with a whole team like that. I'm, I'm with... I'm with, there's the tech guy and there's the camera guy and there's the other tech guy and then the other right. tech guy and me with my dowsing rods. <laughs> do you guys work with tools or do you guys work either old school, like, you know, dowsing rods and pendulums or just say your psychic things? Or do you guys have K2 meters, rim pods, SLS cameras? So we have some people on the team that are designated as investigators and they'll come through with the K2 meters, um, like FLIR devices, cameras, things like that. Um, and they'll do kind of that portion of it. Those of us who are kind of on the more spiritual side, um, some of us use tools. I'm I'm a big fan of, of tools, though mostly kind of, you know, analog, you know, pendulums, things <laughs> like that. Um, I find pendulums to be very helpful. And a lot of people don't realize that pendulums aren't just um, receptive yeah. tools that kind of just answer questions, but they can actually be utilized as active 
um, tools. So like I use them sometimes for closing uh, portals or getting rid of some stuck energy in certain areas, things like that. Um, so you can utilize all kinds of stuff. I use a lot of bells too, um, too. things like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's great. We'll have to do this together sometime. I'll have to get up your way because we sound very familiar in what we're doing. Um, so that book comes out in September. So you mm -hmm. guys check it out because I can't wait. Um, so you, but you also have another book out, which I'm really interested because I'm really interested in folk magic. So tell us about your other book. Ah. Absolutely. So my first book, American Brujeria, came out. Um, I actually, I had so much going on in my life. I missed the one year anniversary. It came out uh, May 5th of last year. Um, so it's been out for a little over a year now. And it is, uh, it's a very unique book in the way that it is about the specific style of folk magic practiced by Mexican American people here in the United States. Um, which is why I called it American Brujeria instead of like traditional Brujeria, which is different how it's practiced in Mexico. But this is how it's practiced in the United States um, by the descendants of Mexican immigrants here. That's fascinating. So it isn't what they're doing in Mexico. It's what they came here and kind of Americanized things along the way. Like hoodoo voodoo is a combination of Catholicism and ancient. Mm -hmm. So that is cool. Yeah. So now, how did you get into that? Was that something you were born and raised into or just took an interest in or? It's something that kind of finds its way into the hands of those of us who are Mexican-American. It's something that we a lot of the times don't even realize that we're doing. Um, it was so funny because to, to write the book, I interviewed a lot of Mexican-American people and I'd sit down with them. I go, okay, I'm writing a book on, on Mexican-American folk magic. And they'd go, oh, no, 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 I don't do that. And the, my family doesn't do that. And I'm like, just, just hear me out, just hear me out. Um, does your family use Vicks Vapor Rub? They're like, oh, well, of course. I'm like, how, how can you tell us about that? They're like, well, you know, my mom, she used to like mix like the, the Vicks Vapor Rub with like salt and like some <laughs> lime juice and then apply it in the sign of the cross while saying this rhyme about the sana sana colita de rana and, and, then, the, and then they go, oh, that's magic. <laughs> and I'm like, it is. And so then it would start pulling, pouring out of them like, oh, this way that they would sweep or, or the, the glass of water by the bed or the scissors or the, and then I'm like, yes, it's all there. It's, it's just, we don't realize that it's magic, but it's something that just kind of happens around <laughs> us. So Vicks VapoRub, tell me about that. That's a new one to me. I've never used that in magic or spellcraft. Ah. Oh, I love it. I have a whole section in the book dedicated to Vicks VapoRub um, <sighs> because it is something that's so constant in Mexican-American communities. And like, you know, a lot of communities, but it's, it's something that we in particular just really, um, really utilize a lot. And it makes a lot of sense when you look at Vicks because Vicks, the, the signature powerful clearing scent that it has, comes from very powerful plants like eucalyptus and camphor, which are used to, um, you know, banish all this negative stuff mm -hmm. and bring in healing and, and really high vibrational plants um, that are getting utilized. And so it's something that gets used a lot in this work. And so I decided to take it a step further for the book and be like, okay, how do we actually utilize this in like spell work? Like, can we utilize this in candle magic? Can we utilize this in something else? Can we, um, so we kind of take it a step further in the book and talk about why, you know, our grandparents believed so mm -hmm. intensely in Vicks Vapor Rub and they were onto something. And if you look at really old um, advertisements for Vicks, it's advertised a lot like Florida water where it's like, you know, this is a magical thing. This is something for the, you know, the cleansing or, you know, it, it comes across that way is how it used to be marketed. 
Wow. I had no idea. I'm going to go get me some Vicks. I, I guess I have to go get my, your book and then some Vicks. I want to, I want to like rub it on a candle or something. Yes, Cause yeah, absolutely. it is powerful stuff and, and camphor, you know, I use camphor for things and clearing. I use eucalyptus and you've got this nice little mushy stuff to do it in. Ah, so what are some of the other things that are like traditional Mexican American witchy folk magic -y things? One thing that you really come across a lot is the use of scissors in the magic. Um, and I, I love that because they're, they're so versatile, but what they're often used for is for protection work. So especially like an open pair of scissors, which makes a lot of sense because not only is it kind of like an X, which is like a very kind of blocking symbol, it's also a cross kind of depending on how you're holding it, um, but they're also very sharp. Um, they're, they're kind of aggressive, but they're also very useful. Um, and it's something like, you know, if, if you grew up with a mom who would sew, you know, the sewing scissors were very important and they're something that like only that she would use or things like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and those things really get imbued with our own personal power a lot of the time as well. Kind of, we create those relationships almost animistic with them as well. And so in Mexican culture, we'll use scissors for a lot of different things, um, but especially things like um, to prevent um, bad magic or um, psychic spying or things like that you'd put an open pair of scissors in the windows to block it. Ooh, um, I love that. Utilize a lot of that. Or maybe it's like two swords, but you, it comes together. I mean, it would make sense. You're a thame, your wand, your sword, you're this, but scissors, yes. ritual scissors. Yep. So you do things like open them up and put them under the bed too, to prevent like night disturbances, um, all kinds of stuff. What are some things, do, is, is there a lot of ritual stuff, like regular things that you do within it? Do, do you talk about stuff like that or like holidays or stuff like that? Um, we do have a section um, on kind of the ancestors where we do touch on things like Día de los Muertos, um, mm -hmm. which is like Day of the Dead and kind of why that's important and kind of some of the traditions in there. Um, and there are some rituals as far as like the spell work is concerned. Um, kind of how you go about it because um, some of it because some of folk magic is very simple you know folk magic is things like you know throwing salt over your shoulder but then there's ones that are more complicated um, so we go through um, like novena candle magic is very common in mexican culture where you have the seven day glass candles um, usually with saints on them but sometimes they'll have other ones like um like a chuparosa, which is like a hummingbird candle for love um, and so there's a whole process to dressing them where you make like the holes in them and then you add the oils and then the herbs and uh, making sure you don't do too much. <laughs> um, and then, you know, uh, praying over them. So there is a lot of ritual that goes into some of them as well. That's true. Yeah, I use those candles all the time. Yeah. Yeah, With and without saints. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you can unwrap the saint if you want to. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, okay. So, on the so you were you obviously have some of those because you said your mom is was uh, animal communicator psychic as well mm -hmm. so you kind of grew up with a magical family of sort so were these just part of your culture as well the stuff like the scissors and things or did you have to study into that um some of it i had to study into some of it i did grow up with because i did grow up catholic um so things like lighting candles asking for things was very um familiar to me and that was something that was interesting too when i when I kind of came away from Catholicism and kind of went over to paganism when I was a teenager and found like witchcraft and all of that, um, 
I remember kind of being like, oh, this is all very familiar because we used to do this as well. You know, incense, candles, you know, chanting in Latin, that's all, you know, very Catholic. Um, so I was like, oh, so we're actually not very different in, in this regard. Um, and so then later on, when I started really reconnecting with my ancestors and my culture and, and all of that and finding um, kind of the Mexican-American and Mexican versions of folk magic, um, a lot of it felt so familiar to me from my upbringing. And then getting to talk to other people, we all kind of got to connect the dots together. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I always say that. Again, I don't know folk mix of the Mexican side, but I always say Catholicism is the closest to paganism. The frankincense, the myrrh, the censers, the chants, the candles, right. all of it. It's like, same thing. And right. the holidays are about the same, just different words. <laughs> right. And the saints too create this very kind of almost polytheistic kind of view of it, kind of like, okay, this one's in charge of that, that one's in charge of this over here, you know, very similar to kind of how a lot of times people approach the gods, like, oh, this is one of love and fertility, and we have a saint yeah. for that, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So what would be, um, say if somebody's going, okay, this is really interesting, I, I've got some Mexican-American blood in me, or I don't. <laughs> um, How would their, how would, how would like reading your book, learning your stuff change, how, help their day-to-day -day life? My, my show is all about empowering people and to be your best you, to create what you want, to, you know, pull your power back. So what are some of the things that in your book at, or in your lifestyle and how you're doing that make people, to make their life better? Absolutely. So something that has really impacted people when it comes to my book is, um, a lot of people are kind of afraid to read my book because they, they are afraid that they're not Mexican enough or they're not enough of some sort of culture or whatever that they don't, they don't feel like it's, it's right for them. And that's the whole reason I wrote the book though, is because this is not a book about, um, you know, Mexican magic from Mexico. This is about us who are kind of in between here where we're both American, but we're also Mexican at the same time. And so a lot of people haven't ever been spotlighted in that way or been seen in that way. And so this book was written very specifically for people who don't feel Mexican enough or don't feel <laughs> like they're connected with that culture enough and it's to help them to connect with it. And the whole introduction of the book starts off as kind of like, this is my love letter to you who maybe didn't grow up speaking Spanish or maybe you you know a little Spanish but aren't very good at it, you know. Um, it's very much for, for those folks. And at the same time too, I have a whole section of the book as well that's like, okay, so what if I'm not Mexican or, or Latino, but I wanna read this book, how do I go about that? There's a whole section in there. So I'm there to hold your hand through the entire thing. This book is very much open to everybody and I'm gonna help you through it. Um, and kind of, I break down things like cultural appropriation in the book, which is like, how do I um, read this book and maybe even practice some of this stuff uh, without committing cultural appropriation? And I explain that in the book, how you can go about that. So it's very much open to it. I don't want anybody to be afraid to read this book um, because the, the information in there is something that you can utilize no matter who you are. Yeah. And I like that it's folk magic. So it's pulling it back in. It's, mm -hmm of the earth and, and yeah. simple. I like, I like simple and everything. Um, oh, that's fascinating. So, um, both books, I, they both have to be in my library. <laughs> um, so do you know what your next book is? 
Oh, I have two in my brain that want to I be written that. at the same <laughs> time. And I'm trying to figure out which one to go with. Um, one of which I think is more important than the other, but it's going to, that means it's going to be a little more difficult to write. Whereas the other one's a little bit more fun. Um, maybe not as important, but it's one that's probably going to write itself pretty quickly. Um, so I think it's going to depend on just what I have time for. It depends on what, what will come out next. So what do you think now, again, because we're in a weird time, we know that the, you know, coming out of this crazy two year pandemic, and are we out of it, who knows going on and on. And I'm noticing a lot more people searching, looking for answers and things. Have you noticed that too? What do you think, how we fit into this whole big new world or whatever this is? Mm. Yes. Um, there's a lot of that happening right now. And I do think that with the pandemic, I think a lot of people have had time for the first time in a while to sit and think for a moment yeah. and kind of ask questions and, and start the search. And I think that's been really beautiful. And we've, we've noticed a, a great deal of people kind of joining our community. Um, and I think those of us who have been in it for a while, um, as well as pretty much everyone who's joining, we're kind of bridge people, you know, we're, we're here to help from one space to the next kind of yeah. we're, we're not we're not just sitting in one place and people are joining it's kind of like we're we're, we're going on to i it sounds a little morbid to say we're going on to the next place i, I don't mean you know like yeah that, no no i get it of, i agree know, wholeheartedly we're going into the future together um and i think especially those who have been here for a long time our job is to kind of reach back hoist people up to you know, the other side where we already have a foot on it, you know, here we go. We're helping people into the boats. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I think so too. I do think the veil is thinning for whatever mm -hmm. reason, whether you're an astrologer, go age of Aquarius, whatever you want to say, more and more paranormal stuff, otherworldly stuff, stuff that doesn't fit into our textbooks of though science and spirituality are crashing together. Mm -hmm. People are, are, are looking for more. I think the pandemic was a great big, whoever go to your room and sit there and don't come out until you figure out what's important <laughs> yes 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 you know because we're like wake up wake up wake up mm. wake up wake up we just became these little zombies so so this is good this is really good um so how can people oh you i have so many questions but how can people find you how can people find your books one's coming out your other book what's your social media because I'm going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So um, my Instagram is the place where kind of my home base on social media. Um, I am at Oregon Woodwitch with little underscores in between. Um, don't be fooled by the imposters, which we're working on <laughs> getting rid of. Um, but you can find me there at Oregon Woodwitch. Um, and from there, you can stay up to date with everything that I'm doing. I'll make posts. Um, also, there is a link in my bio there where people can... Um, they can book services with me. So I do spells for people. I do psychic readings for people. I do um, spiritual coaching. So if there's something that you want to learn that you're having difficulty with, you can book time with me. We'll sit down, we'll talk about it. Or if there's something weird happening on your spiritual path and you're like, I don't know what to do here. Um, you can book time with me. We'll sit down, we'll discuss it. Um, you can also buy my books through that link or um, you can find them, find them online. So my first book, um, American Brujeria, was published by Wiser and it's available pretty much everywhere books are sold. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on bookshop.org. Um, my next book, uh, The Witch's Guide to the Paranormal is coming out from Llewellyn uh, in September and it's available for pre-order now um, either through Llewellyn's website 
or through Amazon, you can get it um, at several different places. That's fabulous. So you're based in the Portland area, I would take it mm -hmm. by, I'm psychic, no, by Oregon. <laughs> um, so do you, so this is a legit question for me. I mean, they're all legit question. You do say, I'm sure you work like Zoom and internet and all that with coaching and with psychic ratings with people. Mm -hmm. What about when somebody far away wants a clearing and they don't have the budget to send you out there? Uh, How do you handle yeah. that? So that's something that we've had to figure out um, with my paranormal team during the pandemic because we weren't able to go to people's houses anymore for, yeah. a, for a couple of years. And so mm -hmm. we had to get crafty about doing remote work. Um, it depends on what's going on. If, de depending on what it is, sometimes I find that it can be cleared up from a distance using um, candle magic um that i can do from here um if someone's far away uh, but if it's at a certain intensity i do like to be there in person um, at which case i would try and find someone in their area with experience um get a referral from somebody that i trusted um, and then have them reach out to that person um, and see if they can get a person actually there on site because there's as much as we can do things remotely, there's something about actually being there at the house in person that really changes things as far as what we're able to um, monkey with and, and really kind of directly involve ourselves right. with. Okay. We are definitely of the same school of that one. Same thing. Because people are going, can you go to Connecticut or wherever even for this? <laughs> well, we could do, and I could even get our Zoom walkthroughs and feel-throughs and remote mm -hmm. doing, but, uh, and you, and it can certainly work but there's nothing like being there or getting somebody on the feet so that yeah. is good well will you come back when your next book comes out and we could talk about even more about that absolutely i would i would i would love that and so you guys everybody jay allen cross one book two books um check them out Oregon Wood Witch, Oregon underscore Wood underscore Witch. Um, check them out. I'm going to. So thank you. Thank you, Jay Allen or Jay or Jason. <laughs> um, and thank you. Thank you for visiting and bringing your magic to the witching hour. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.